This is the Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode 34, Finding the Light Through Postpartum Depression with Greta White. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to Stand with Lynette. I'm Lynette, and I'm happy that you're here. And if you're here for the first time, I'm so happy you're here. And if you keep coming back again, thank you. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for your ratings, for your reviews, for your shares, for all the things that may make this podcast possible. Because you, my friends, are the ones who make this podcast possible. Because you listen, and I am so grateful for you. I have spent the past several weeks interviewing so many incredible women, and I feel really honored to share their stories with you. In fact, I have so many interviews recorded, we have enough to last through almost May. I think we're to the beginning of May right now, which is awesome and amazing. And again, I feel so humbled and honored to be able to share these incredible stories of faith with you. I hope you are enjoying them. And today we will hear from one of my friends, Greta White, who has an incredible story of navigating postpartum depression and finding light and joy and hope through all of it, so much so that she was willing to do it seven times. Greta is filled with light, and I cannot wait to share her story with you. So without further ado, Let's get to it. I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Greta White. She is here to share a little bit of her story with us and how it looks for her to stand on the covenant path and with the Savior. And I can't wait to hear what she has to say. So welcome, Greta. I'm so happy that you're here. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Good. It's so my pleasure. I love listening to all of these stories of these amazing women. So thank you for being one of them. Can you start by telling us just a little bit about yourself and your family? Okay. Um, well, I have been married 22 years and to my best friend, I just, we're in love and we just love being together. Um, I have seven children. The oldest is 21 and the youngest just turned three a few days ago. So it's kind of a wide span of years there. Um, Sounds like fun. Moved around quite a bit, um, mainly just between Arizona and Utah, um, back and forth. Uh, But yeah, we love life. We love being together. And we're, we, uh, the, the oldest two are our boys. And then I have five girls in a row. So it's wow, super fun, (laughs) really fun, super fun. So how do you feel about boys versus girls raising? Like, are the boys harder or the girls harder? I'm curious, you know, it's (laughs) there. They have their own levels of difficulty, but I will say girls is, has has been harder it just seems like there's you know a little more drama that comes with the territory you know and a a lot more bases to cover with you know making sure the 
outfits and the hair and then you know makeup you know that kind of thing so boys it was just like you stink you know wear deodorant yeah. and <laughs> so I'm with you they they have their own challenges and joys for sure but the yeah. emotional drama of the girls has about done me in so yes. <laughs> bless you with five girls that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> awesome so you mentioned in your application to be a guest on the podcast that that your husband makes movies and that he made a movie that audiences loved, but that puts you in financial ruin. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What, what happened? Yes. That, um, well, the, the name of the movie, um, is inspired guns and it came out, we lived in Utah at the time and, um, it was great. We, it, it came out shortly after, um, the Saratov approach. And that film had kind of exploded and it was about missionaries. Um, and so we thought, oh, you know, this is a new leaf turning. I, we, we were already, we had filmed it, uh, my husband's movie, before Saratop Approach was released in theaters. So it wasn't like, oh, I want to get on the bandwagon or anything. Right. You know, we, this was already in process. Um, but yeah, the it we aren't sure well there there were some free showings like promotional showings and to before the actual premiere of it and there were three of them they were all just so packed standing room only uh, my husband and the actors came to those and there weren't seats for them to sit in you know so it was just filled audiences laughed so hard i mean it was awesome it was great and then it finally makes it to the theaters to buy tickets and no one was buying tickets. And and I think we kind of figured out that our target market was families that don't really go to theaters, we think, you know, so uh -huh. <laughs> um, anyway, so it quickly just because we paid for the movie ourselves, um, not very many investors, we did it mostly ourselves. And um, yeah, so it quickly became oh, this isn't, this isn't getting bigger momentum, especially like, you know, the Saratov approach was. And so we ended up having to sell our home and we have to move away from Utah back to Arizona. And um, the funny thing was my husband, he had gone to the temple um, when this was all happening. He's like, what do I do? And he just felt this strong impression um, to read, I, I forget what verse, but it's in the beginning of the Book of Mormon, and it says, um, "Return unto thy father's house." So, and he was like, "This is literal. I need to. We need Aww. to sell the house and go live with my parents." And so he tells me this, and I said, "Well, no, I'm not doing that." <laughs> so my prayer was, "Heavenly Father, please tell Adam that he's wrong, and we're not doing that." <laughs> How'd that and go then, for you? <laughs> right. Then I received my own confirmation that it was the right thing. And I think um, it, it had to be that way. I, it couldn't just be Adam telling me that this was, you know, the Lord had to tell me himself. It's like, no, but that's how it all went down. And we've, um, we've been doing well. I mean, he's, he's, he builds up businesses. He's into um, SaaS services, software as a service, sorry, um, SaaS companies. He, starts a new company, builds it, sells it, 
then makes a movie, starts a new company, builds okay. it up, sells it, makes a movie. So, okay. <laughs> but um, anyway, the it was great. It was hard. You know, we all clung together and made it through. We think that the Lord really wanted us back in Arizona and we just needed to be here. And that was one way to make it happen. And it drew us closer together, drew us closer to God. And it's one of those things that's made us who we are. So yeah. So how many kids did you have at that time? Uh, we had five and I was pregnant with number six, actually at the red carpet premiere of his, of oh, inspired wow. guns. So, um, yeah, uh, she was born shortly after moving back to Arizona and yeah, number six, <laughs> wow. but you know, we know audiences love it cause we continue to get, um, great reviews and great feedback and, you know, so we know audiences love it. It just wasn't meant to be a, a hot ticket movie theater right. experience. That's so. crazy though. Like you said, it's one of the things that made you who you are. I think sometimes yes. that's just the point. That's the point, you know, of some of the yes. things you're just like, that did not, that doesn't make logical sense. But however, I don't know if I'd go back and change it because I learned so much, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> you also mentioned that you have struggled with significant postpartum depression with each of your kids. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Oh my. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, so I have seven children and I have had a unique postpartum depression experience with each of those babies. Um, so my first baby, we didn't quite know what it was, or what to expect, didn't know it was coming, you know, um, but it's, I guess my, my dad is a psychiatrist. So that was huge miracle blessing. Number one, that I have the man with answers right at my fingertips, um, yeah. training and the answers to help me. But yeah, so, uh, right away we, we figured out what it was. I wasn't sleeping and I couldn't stop crying. And I was just in panic constantly. It's as if, um, you know, a great way for me to explain it is when you get an adrenaline rush, but not like, oh, I, I love this ride more like someone's broken into my house. And I'm scared. Mm. So it's that, that just keep getting released in my body. And I, there's no calming down from it. Um, so anytime I hear the baby or see the baby, it just, just shoots right through me that that much adrenaline. So I was just scared all the time and in panic all the time. And they had to keep the baby away from me just because he was so scary to me. And um, we, I lived in Arizona and my OBGYN happened to be a bishop, not my bishop, but he was a bishop. And um, we talked to him on the phone and normally for his office, you to be seen, you know, for pregnancy checkups. I mean, you can wait anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour to be seen um, just for your scheduled time, just because mm -hmm. that's how his practice is and everybody knows it. So, you know, you accept it. But um, he told me to call and make an appointment Let and they will let him know when I'm there. So I get there, no makeup, no glasses, no contacts. I mean, I cannot stop crying and I can't talk. So I come in and what I hadn't really said to anybody was how much I was struggling with 
motherhood, obviously, but um, the family proclamation. And I was like, I have a very strong testimony. I love this gospel. I love the Lord. But I have never been so miserable in my entire life. And I am doing what I'm supposed to do. So what is happening to me? But I was like too afraid to really say that to anyone. And this is just, I'm trying to think maybe five, six days post delivery, you know. So I come in, he calls me back and I cannot talk. I am just crying. So I just sit down and he, as soon as I'm there, they let him know and he lets me in. So I'm sitting in the waiting desk or waiting, uh, what's lobby waiting room for a minute, maybe, you know, 60 seconds. Then he calls me back. So I just sit down and he just talks to me about the family proclamation. So I'm just crying even more because, you know, obviously he has the spirit of discernment. He knows what is in my brain for, you know, what I'm struggling with. And then he said the most, sorry, I'm getting emotional. Um, the most beautiful promise. He said, Greta, I promise you the day will come when you will love that child more than life itself. And I was so touched by that. And I didn't feel it. I didn't love the baby. Um, I didn't love being a mom, but I held on to his promise and I believed him. And I thought, okay, he knows what he's talking about and that day will come. So I'm just going to keep living each day. Um, I was on medication and with, with each of my children, I've been on different doses and different medications. So there wasn't like a, oh, you know, we always start with what we thought would work and then adjusted. But anyway, um, so yeah, about two weeks after I was um, started the medication, I was able to stop crying for a little bit. And all along, I this is kind of a funny story or strange story, um, I guess. I always, with all of the newborns, I insist on changing the, the diapers, especially the poopy ones. <laughs> and I know everyone's like, why do you like changing poopy diapers? And I'm like, listen, I don't spend any time with the baby. I don't feed them. I don't do anything. Um, but if they check and they let me know, I'm like, oh, I'm here and I can fix this. Like I would shake, you know, while I'm doing it, but I'm like, I know what's wrong and I can fix it and I can make it better and I can make the baby happier, and I can save all the people that are helping me from doing this gross task, you know, that I don't mind. So right. I was always just happy to do it because it was like, okay, here's time with the newborn, and I'm going to fix the problem. Whew, you know, like, okay. So anyway, that's <laughs> that was my job with each <laughs> With all seven newborns, my job is a poopy diaper changer. But I'm sure that that people didn't argue with that very much. <laughs> no, they're happy to let me do it. <laughs> so that that and that repeated with with each of your seven kids. How long did that period of postpartum depression last? Like, how long did you feel with each kid? Like, before you were kind of out of the of the real hard yeah, part, out of the woods. Um, well, it was different with each child. Um. So my, my oldest, uh, Boston, he, um, it was about, I would say maybe three or four weeks before I was really like, I could put makeup on and I could wear normal clothes. 
I could feed him and be around him. And it was such a gift. Um, my mother told me um, after my third baby, Chloe. So for her, so my uh, Miles, my second baby, that took probably about the same time, but I needed a higher dose of medication. And then Chloe came along and it took me longer to get better, which was worrying us because we were like, wait, this, I was moving on from this, you know, by now what's happening. So, um, but my mother told me something after she was born and staying with us, you know, she's like, Greta, what if this is happening to really teach you about love? Because love is not coming naturally to me with a brand new baby. You know, I don't love the baby. She's like, but what if it's happening to teach you about love? Because when you are finally given that gift of love to be able to love your newborn, it means so much to you. Like it means more to you than mothers who feel it right away when they give birth, you know, and that just, that made me feel really, really special. And I've kind of used this analogy in sharing my story with others before. It's like, I am in this special club with the savior to where with my postpartum depression, he and I are the only ones in this club, you know, sorry, everyone else, you can't be in this yeah. club with me. It's just me and the savior, but he knows that what I'm going through and how much it hurts. And he knows how much that love means to me and what a gift that is to me. And so that was just a new, a new thought that helped me heal and helped me get better. But I eventually got better. And I even remember, I, I just wrote this down. I had, um, so my first two are just a year apart. They're really close. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my third baby, um, let's see. So my oldest was three and then my next one was two and then I had a baby and they were all three of them crying. You know, the someone fell and got hurt, you know, the baby's crying and then there's whatever going on. And I remember thinking this is around six weeks. I could handle it. I was like, everyone's crying. I'm not panicked. And I was just like, oh, this feels amazing. And I was just kind of laughing, you know, like I'm doing it. I'm a mom. I have three crying little ones and I'm all right. Like, wow, like this is a sign. Like I was just kind of brought to the moment like, oh, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for these crying children that aren't frightening me, you know, like this is okay. Right. I can do it. So you say you're, you're in a club with just the savior. What did that feel like for you? How did, how did he show up for you in, in those dark moments in those weeks where you just couldn't really oh feel my. like yourself? I mean, that was all I could do. I, um, so actually the, the worst bout of postpartum depression was after baby number five, nothing. I mean, I wasn't eating I, I lost so much weight and I could not get better. Weeks, months were going by and I was still being pumped with this fear. And I, I think about that. It was, we lived in Utah at the time and I picture my sacred grove was my closet and just lying on the floor. So many prayers, just crying out. Like all I want is to just be okay and be a good mom please. I've been here before. I'm willing to do this. 
please come and help me. And um, the Savior showed up with my husband. My husband is the best newborn baby dad that there is. He can do it. Um, and obviously my mother and my mother-in-law, they are just gifts and they are the Savior's hands. And my ward at the time, incredible. I, I couldn't be left alone with, um, I actually couldn't even just, so my husband, Adam had to start working from home and that wasn't enough. I had to have other people. And so people would come over and like bring a craft and like, here, Greta, sit down, let's do this craft. And there wasn't any pressure for me to like update them on, you know, what I'm thinking. I was just this frail, shaking person, but it was, I was so happy to be doing a craft. And another lady in my ward um, brought over like a basket of movies and some books. And she's like, I thought you would might enjoy these. And I just loved that. And I would have people come over and just talk to each other. And I just listen to that, you know, like I just need distraction, you know. And um, one of the, the major things, Lynette, was we decided because it was months and I wasn't getting better, we decided that I hadn't yet, even though my dad is a psychiatrist, I hadn't yet seen a therapist with the previous four babies. So we thought, okay, we need to do everything we can on our end to get me better. And we haven't done this yet. So we set an appointment with a therapist and um, she right away was giving me tools and things to use. I thought it was going to be, oh, I have to relive everything for her and I don't want to do that. It wasn't like that. She just wanted me to sit down. I said like maybe one or two sentences and then just right away, she was explaining what was happening to me and giving me answers. And I was so grateful. But one of the things was um, in your mind to think of it as like changing the channel. She's like, when you have a thought, you need to be able to change the channel. And that, I mean, doesn't that sound like something easy? Like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'll just stop thinking that and I'll think of something else. Well, I had no, no safe thoughts. I mean, it was like, oh, here's, think of a happy memory. And I'm like, okay, even though like my wedding day is a happy memory, that just reminds me that I'm married and now I'm a mom and I don't want to be a mom. Right. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like dramatic, but it was really like, I can't, and I can't thinking about my babies. Nope. That's not safe for me. And thinking about my childhood, that just makes me wish I was a child again. And that I couldn't, that I wasn't a mom. Then the spirit came to me and said, you need to memorize the living Christ. And that was such a gift. That was because, so right away, I uh, typed it up into the different paragraphs. And then I also made, I don't know if you've ever done that method of memorizing where you have the first letter of each word um, kind of as a prompt mm -hmm. to help trigger what you've yeah. memorized. So I made a bunch of those and I had big ones that I put um, by my kitchen sink. And I had little ones I put in my car, little ones that I put in the bathroom. Now this was my only safe thought because it was like, I would just get these panic attacks and the panic pumping through me and there's nowhere to go, but it was like, oh, okay. The living Christ. Like I just jump right into memorizing that. And it completely, I, it was a different path for me to go down. It brought the spirit to me. It would calm my breathing. 
and 10 minutes would go by and it was, I wasn't panicked at all. I was just trying to remember, you know, the, the words that I had memorized. It was such a gift to me to be able to have that. And I was just so grateful. It was my lifeline. It was my death grip, hold on to this tight. And it carried me through so many months of hardship in in the after baby number five <laughs> was really, really hard. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is that Christ showed up for you through all sorts of different people and means and tools, and he utilized other people to help you in the way that you needed help. And I think that's so, that's so beautiful that we can be his hands. Like you said, we can be his hands. And I'm sure that's given you perspective too having been on the other side of it, you know, you've been on both sides of this. How, how does that affect the way that you view others now that you're kind of through that? Well, certainly. Um, so one other awesome thing about my word. Um, so they brought me dinners for three months um, after this baby was born and, and the, the policy or the regular thing to do is just three meals is what you get. So I had three months of meals. I couldn't cook. I couldn't picture like how does anyone cook anything when you're so scared all the time I just couldn't do it and I my best friend at the time was the compassionate service leader and this was after I was better and I was like oh I feel so bad that my name was being passed around Relief Society on the clipboard to sign up to bring meals and she said Greta your name wasn't ever passed around like what are you talking about I didn't cook for three months she goes your name was never passed around Greta people would just call me and say when can I bring a meal to Greta? They would just call me out of the blue. I'm like, but Julie, this happened for three months straight. She goes, I know. And I'm like, that just blows my mind. Like how so many women were just thinking about me, like, or just praying to, for inspiration, like who can I help today? And they must've received the answer. Like you can help Greta. She needs dinner. Like, I mean, like just blows my mind. So for me, I really um, feel like I just want to let Heavenly Father know, like, I'm so grateful that he rescued me. Please, you can trust me. Let Tell me who can I help? How can I help them? And I remember um, my son's serving missions at the same time, and they were talking to me, just teaching uh, newly baptized members and just talking about the baptismal covenant. And um, I remember thinking about them and praying about the the people that um, had recently been baptized. I was praying and I had this thought come to me that said, Greta, what about your baptismal covenants? Did you mean it? Do you mean it? And I knew what was being taught was, did you mean it that you were going to mourn with those that mourn and comfort those that stand in need of comfort? Because if you mean it, then I need your help. And are you willing to help? And I, that was such a like, moving experience for me, um, just kind of took my breath away because this doesn't happen to me often. I know I'm sharing all these moments, but this, these aren't, no. this isn't my everyday. This is a right. sprinkling, you know, um, anyway, so I, I use that and that pops into my mind every now and then when I think about helping others or I don't want to be an inconvenience or whatever. And it's like, wait, did you mean it? Cause if you meant it, then you're going to do this. That's awesome. I love that. That's going to, 
I'm going to think about that. I got to de deconstruct that one in my brain a little bit. I'm going to think about right? that. That's, that's true. I think maybe we all have to come to that point where we have to decide, well, did we mean it when we made that covenant? And what does that yes. look like in our everyday lives? Because we've all been on the receiving end of other people living that covenant to mourn with those that mourn. And sometimes, at least for me, I get busy. My life is crazy. I've got so much going on. And so I don't sometimes stop to think about who needs me? Who can I help? You know, and that's that's a good reminder. That's a good reminder for me, maybe for other people as well, just to think, okay, what does that covenant look like in practice? Because I don't know that I often really think about it. So yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's not like we're all remembering when we were eight, it's like, no, just this past Sunday, that that's how far back you need to go of, of how recently you made that covenant, you know, like, right. that's, that's the covenant, we renewed it. So that was our, so we're not like, well, did I really mean it when I was eight? Or it's like, I'm sure I did. But did I really mean it on Sunday? when I? Right. You know, and do I really mean it in my taking on his name? And yes. Yeah, totally. that's so good. Another thing I keep hearing you say is willing, you know, like, are you willing? And the fact that you were willing to go back to that place where you knew you were going to be with seven babies. Like, how did you, how did you get to a place where you were willing for that? Because I don't know that I'm even willing to have seven babies. I'm not because I didn't. I had five <laughs> and I didn't have postpartum depression. <laughs> that, oh, that was enough you know, for me. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's well, it's because I got through it that I always so after my first one, I knew that I go through it and it's dark and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but then there's light and there's so much light. And I loved that baby more than life itself. And it was like, I, I can do this again. And I remember, um, so as when my kids were little, they don't remember, you know, the next baby, but my kids started getting more spread out. Like I said, my, um, my oldest was 18 when my youngest was born, but he was trying to think, I think he was 12 when we were, it was Christmas and we were going to announce to our kids, like through a Christmas present that I was pregnant and my oldest. Um, so we laid out all these clues, they put it together and they figured out, oh, mom's going to have another baby. And this is Christmas night. Everyone was excited, but my oldest Boston, oh, this makes me cry every time. Sorry. He started crying and I was like, come here, you know, like what's wrong. And he's like, mom, you're going to do this again. And that's because, um, this is baby number six. Remember I told you baby number five was the hardest and took me yeah. the longest. And, um, it's like, you're going to do this again. Like really, I'm so scared. And because he is remembering, you know, he's old enough. He, he knows, I mean, there were so many prayers. I remember someone coming over, wanted to see the baby, didn't realize I had postpartum depression and I was upstairs, but like, you can see the upstairs from the front door. And so I was like trapped. I couldn't go to my room because otherwise they would see me. Like it's hard to explain. Yeah. So I ran into my boy's room and they were both in there and I was bawling and I was kind of scaring them. And I was like, boys, can you please just pray with me? And so we just, the three of us each took turns praying and we just kept praying. Boston would say a prayer and mommy wouldn't be so scared and feel better. And he'd end his prayer. And then Miles, Miles, can you say a prayer? Miles would pray. And then I would pray. And then we'd just go around until these people left. 
and then my husband could come over and you know hold me or whatever so I'm just saying you know my kids it's not like they they definitely weren't oblivious <laughs> but right so but I was able to talk to Boston um talking through this and I'm like but Boston do you remember when I got better don't you just love baby Taylor that's our number five I'm like don't you love and the other thing I I don't nurse babies I bottle feed and that means that means everyone gets to feed the baby and they just they all love it and just seeing these boys these big brothers hold the baby in the bottle and it's like don't you just what you know don't you want that again just to feel that again it's like okay and I'm like remember the Lord always blesses us he's always brought us through and it's going to be okay I'm going to be okay and we just we're going to get through it you know so it, it was awesome to have that experience with him to kind of and it was awesome it was like a gift to me that he just felt the concern I guess of having another another baby, but he's great. All my kids are just, they're so great with babies. They're so helpful. They just, they're, they're ready. They're ready for newborns themselves. <laughs> they can do it <laughs> when the time comes. <laughs> well, my son is actually, his wife is in labor at the moment, like Whoa. they are in the hospital, like having their first baby right now. And <laughs> so I'm just thinking he doesn't really, he was 10 years old when my youngest was born. So he doesn't have a lot of experience with babies. So that's, that's a blessing for all of those kids of yours to have so much experience helping with babies that will come, that will come in handy. But also, as you were telling that story about your son, I just think he is seeing his mom's faith in action, you know, and that's amazing because we can teach and we can talk, but really it's the action that makes an impression, you know, oh, yeah. so that, that you were willing to say, okay, like, no, the Lord will bless us. We'll get through this. It will be okay. Like, I bet, I bet that makes a huge impression on your kids. I know it does. How can it not? They, yeah, they've all been so, it's, it's just, it's a wonderful feeling, even though, um, so we don't, ha I think there's one picture taken of me with Boston, but I, we figured out quickly. We are like, we don't just don't take pictures of me with newborns because I don't, I don't want to see myself, you know, like I, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I should show you the picture because I just, I just like, like. A shell, you know, and it's like, yeah. oh, no one wants, I don't want to have a picture of that, you know, but, um, having besides that, <laughs> just the time that, because we all know how hard it is, you know, the, the parable of the, the rings in the trees, like the trees have the most, um, they don't grow a whole lot out. They're just holding still during the storms, you know, just to mm -hmm. hold just to survive. So whenever I've had a baby, all the fluff is cut out of life. It is just like, here we are. We love being together. We love scriptures. We bear testimony to each other more often. We just, people come sit by each other and hold each other's arms. And we just all come together whenever there's a baby. It's like, okay, there's no outside world. Here we are all six, seven, however many kids at the time, you know, we just cut out all the things that don't matter and we just hang on. And it's so, it's a very cherished time, even though it's a very 
difficult time, it, it has always been such a cherished time for me to remember those times of just being a tight family, you know, when there's a newborn. Yeah. What a blessing to be able to see that and not just remember the hard stuff, to be able yes. to look back and remember oh, the, yes. the light as well and the good stuff for that sure. you experienced. Sure. So on your application, there's a quote. I'm going to quote you because this is so beautiful. And I want you to, to explain it a little bit more about how you came to this conclusion. You said, the scriptures were and still are letters from home to me. I love that. How did you come to that that conclusion that scriptures are letters from home? Um, well, honestly, oh, reading the scriptures always just felt like, oh, I it felt like coming home. It felt like I'm in the presence of my father and I'm reading a letter that he wrote to me. Like it it just felt like such a connection there. Because after I have a baby and there's, like I said about, you know, cutting out all the, all the fluff, it was just, I'm just desperate, desperate for the spirit. I'm desperate for answers, desperate for connection with heavenly father. So I would read and study scriptures and it would, it would calm me. It would just ease my fear. And, um, I discovered a verse that I'd always known was there, but it just hit me a certain way. And and like scriptures do, right? You know, like it, you can read the same words and then at, at some point in your life, it'll mean something different to you. So Alma chapter seven, verse 11, and he shall go forth suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind. And this, that the word might be fulfilled, which saith, he will take upon him the pains and the sicknesses of his people. And right there, I just felt connected. My club with the Savior, like this is my connection because he does visit us in our afflictions. And the atonement isn't just to erase our sins and make us clean. The atonement is for empathy. The atonement is for rescuing and I just, especially after baby number five, I remember my, the bishop coming over and sharing the scripture with me and I just cried and cried and he left and I looked it up and I was like, this is me. He visits us in our afflictions and I'm afflicted and he is visiting me and I'm important to him and he is here with me holding on and I just has felt like this incredible connection to the divine through the scriptures. I mean, absolute letters from home. And as my children, uh, my two boys have served missions. I mean, they have had the same kind of experience with the scriptures. Like this is home. This is my connection to the divine. I, I came from heaven, a heavenly home and here's letters. <laughs> that I can read. Yeah, I love that. I wish everyone had that experience with the scriptures. I think we all can have that experience with the scriptures. I think maybe it comes easier for some than others because we all have our, our weaknesses, but that's that's so beautiful. I love to think of it as 
this is my letter from home. This is how Heavenly Father talks to me, or one of the ways that he can talk to me. Yes, And yes, it's, for sure. that's, I love it. I love it. Okay, we are going to wrap up here, and I have one last question for you, and that is, what does standing with the Savior mean to you? I love this question. Standing with the Savior means to me putting myself in the position to be useful to him. And that means I need to trust him and be ready. And being ready means being prayerful. And it means being willing to reach out and be his hands to help others. And it means standing close to my covenants, keeping my covenants and having this tight grip on the iron rod. There's, you can't have a, a casual hand sliding along the iron rod. It's, I feel like standing with the savior, it means a tight grip on the iron rod. And it means being in your scriptures and being in tune with the spirit and making sure that I am inviting the spirit through my actions through my habits and through my dress and my speech and the things I take in it's this is this is where I want to be you know they they say I think it's Jeffrey R. Holland said you know we already know who wins the game just what jersey will you be wearing and I want to I want to be wearing the savior's <laughs> savior's team jersey me too. Me too. That's so good. That's so good. Well, Greta, you're just filled with light and I'm so grateful that you took the time to share your story with us. I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of people who may be able to relate to what you're going through. Maybe they're in that, in the throes of postpartum depression right now, or maybe they know somebody who is, or maybe they will know somebody who is. And <laughs> um, it's so good to, to hear your perspective and how, what you've learned and how you've grown and how you cling to your relationship with the savior, because really that's what it's all about. So thank yes. you for, thank you for sharing that with us today. I really appreciate your light. Of course. Thank you, Lynette. Thank you for having me on here. It's been wonderful. Wasn't Greta amazing, my friends? Wasn't her story just filled with light and with hope and with the Savior? A couple of things that stood out to me about what she said was her letters from home about the scriptures. I love that so much. I've been thinking about it ever since we did this interview a few weeks ago. I love the thought of letters from home. And I also loved what she said about did you mean it? Did you mean it when you made those covenants? That has made a deep impression on me. And it has caused me to, to think in my own life, did I mean it? And how can I show the Lord that I mean it? But I just loved everything that Greta said, to be honest. And she contacted me after the interview and said that she did not want to focus on this in the interview. But one of the things that has really helped her to heal from her depression is exercise. And she has a YouTube channel called Brighter Fitness where she does cute, fun workouts for all the people who want to work out at home. And it's awesome. And you can find her on Instagram at Brighter Fitness Greta. I will link these in the show notes of this episode. So you can just click and go find Greta on YouTube and on Instagram and follow her and support her and feel of her light and her goodness. And again, 
Thank you so much for being here. And if you liked this episode, if you like this podcast, I think you will like the free download that I have for you, which will, which is all of the invitations from the last general conference all together in one beautiful PDF you can print for free. Keep it next to your scriptures and your general conference edition of the Ensign or your, not Ensign, I guess it's Liahona or your LDS um, gospel library app or whatever you use to study and start to apply those invitations because a- application is how we make progress. So I will also throw a link to that in the show notes. And thank you again for being here. And I can't wait to see you back here again next week. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, Find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard, that's two N's, two P's, and an A-R-D, or at LynetteShepard.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again, and remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.